When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My vision of football really has changed. So as a player, you, know, you play to win, you, you play to succeed individually and of course as part of a team, but then when I became a coach, suddenly I had to view it totally differently. And as I've grown older as a coach, I've molded my ideas and philosophies and to this point today, I, I, I want to play attractive football. I want people to want to pay to come and watch my team. Well, we weren't expecting that, were we? Or maybe we were. The last episode that we did for Back of the Net was called The End of an Era. This is episode 92. Goodness knows what we'll call this one. My name's Sam Davis. AFC Bournemouth on Saturday night confirmed that Eddie Howe had left the club by mutual consent. The 42-year-old, who managed the Cherries in more than 450 games across two spells at the Vitality, spanning more than a decade, made the decision together with club officials on Saturday. In his letter, which is visible on the AFC Bournemouth website, he said, Having spent a total of 25 years with the club as both a player and a manager, this decision, made together with the club, is one of the hardest I've ever had to make. However, although the affection and love I have for this football club will always remain, we collectively feel that now is the right time for the club to go in a new direction. Bournemouth will always be in my heart, but I firmly believe that now is the right time for the club to have a change. He goes on to say that he's going to be watching Bournemouth now as a fan like the rest of us. It's a very strange time. After the announcement on Saturday, we went live on YouTube for a video that lasted, wow, over two and a half hours, where a lot of us came together to chat about all things Eddie. And it was like therapy, I've got to say. And we heard from Mike Botto and Chris Temple. Now, we're going to be taking in their views again later on in this podcast, as well as some other fan vox pops. So stay tuned for that. On this pod, of course, well, there's only one topic. Of course, there was the news that Nathan Ake left for £41 million in the week. Well, he hasn't left yet, but the deal's been agreed. And it's it's somewhat a secondary story now because the manager that oversaw our Premier League rise is now gone. And with only six weeks until the new season, well, it's going to be five now... There's not much time left to get things sorted. Things are going to be moving very thick and fast over the next uh, five weeks or so, as I said. And uh, whoever comes in has got big shoes to fill. JT apparently is staying on in the interim. But between myself, Neil Dawson and Jeff Hayward, we're going to be talking all things how. But first... 
Jeff Hayward was on media duty on Sunday on Five Live and he was alongside Tommy Elphick and these were some of the thoughts from firstly Bournemouth's Captain Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just listening to, to Chris there um, saying that it probably wasn't a surprise to many and, and was a surprise to a lot. I was definitely in the camp that it was a, a huge surprise. Um, people always ask me, Would he, do you think he'll stay? Do you think they'll get rid of him? I could never see it, to be honest. I just can't picture a, a Bournemouth without Eddie. Um, so although it was maybe inevitable to, to a lot of people, um, when the news broke, it was actually quite shocking to, to read it. And as I know, the, the place is going to look a lot different without Eddie now. Um, and like what, what Eddie's done for the football club, the, the man deserves to walk on water for, for me, what, what he's brought to the club, the culture he's set there, um, the foundations he's laid going forward. So uh, amongst all this, I don't think it can be lost. Um, and, and just what a marvellous job he's done, really. Well, I think this season, if ever there was a season that was going to uh, sap Eddie of um, his energy, his enthusiasm, and, and actually his enjoyment for the game. We could see it this season. You know, it was a combination of things. We had terrible injuries, lots of bad luck. Eddie made some bad decisions as well. I don't think he, he, he felt that some of his coaching was up to it. And he's, uh, he's hard on himself as well. So lots of things went against us. And of course, you know, there have been so many um, VAR decisions that were sort of borderline. And, and that goal that should have been given for Sheffield United against Villa that wasn't, it's just like the season had, it had a relegation feel over it for from pretty much December onwards. And, and he wasn't able to do anything about it. And I think that kind of powerlessness against events, it was it was relentless for him this season. I completely understand why he wants to give it a break. What I was hoping for was that he would take some time off and come back refreshed and renewed. But the pandemic kind of extended the season and doesn't give any time for that. So, you know, it's 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 been the toughest, toughest season for him. I completely get that. But one season in 12 is a is a failure. You know, come on, the guy's a genius. Mm. And I think the statement from the chairman that came out earlier this week set a tone for we're going to come back. We're going to come back stronger. He's in it for the long term. There's going to be investment there for for what we thought was going to be Eddie, but whoever is the new manager coming in. So, you know, the, the fans are actually in a pretty positive mindset. Well, they certainly were after Tuesday, but, um, you know, losing Eddie, it kind of, it, it's going to be disruptive. We're not sure how many players are going to go, how many of the coaching team is going to go, what the impact of it will be. Um, and I think the club's got uh, a responsibility to act pretty decisively and quickly to bring somebody in who can who can keep that culture going and, and keep us going in the right direction. So there you go. The thoughts there of Tommy Elphick and Jeff Hayward. Those clips were from BBC Radio 5 Live and you can hear the whole thing on BBC Sounds. Just scroll back to Sunday's programme. It was about 12.20pm after they chatted Formula One. And uh, yeah, it's... I mean, Jeff nearly choked. You could you could hear that he was um, in a very emotional state of mind. And I think obviously hearing Tommy... Obviously, very downbeat as well. We we know what Eddie's done for Tommy, so I'm sure that he will be upset just like the rest of us. But now it's time for Neil Dawson and myself to also contribute. So Jeff is standing by. So let's go over what happened. Hey, 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 
So it's been a tumultuous weekend. On Saturday at nine o'clock, we heard the news that Eddie was leaving the club by mutual consent. And to say it's been a roller coaster season for AFC Bournemouth, well, it's been a roller coaster week because on Tuesday we heard this positivity that came out of the club through a statement that was released from the owner saying about how he's committed to getting us back into the Premier League. And most of us thought that would be with Eddie. But on Saturday at 9 pm, as mentioned, not to be the case. Um, Jeff, how are you? Yeah, it's been a tumultuous week. Um, I thought I felt better after last week's show, and I felt better after Max's statement. Ake going was sort of expected, and I think that was arguable whether that was a good deal or not a good deal. But I thought it was actually all right to get forty million for him. Uh, and then the bombshell last uh, on Saturday, which has been a bit of an unexpected and also quite devastating blow. I think it's it's got us all thinking in a completely different way to where we were probably on Tuesday. It's one of these things that um, fans have been toying with, especially when we've been poor in that second half of the season. But, you know, that still doesn't reduce the shock level by any stretch of the imagination because the feeling is almost of numbness for me. I don't know what, uh, what it's like for you. Yeah, I feel a bit bereft. I feel like someone's, you know, passed away. That's, that's what it feels like. Which, I mean, it's all a bit over dramatic. You know, we are in the middle of a, a terrible pandemic. And, it, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into comparisons like that, but it, it's it's more than just a manager leaving. That's the thing. We are a different type of club to other football clubs. And you can read all the sort of statements that have, or the news pieces that have been put out there already. And you just read them and you think, they don't get it. You know, they don't actually understand what it is about this club that makes it so special and why Eddie was an intrinsic part of it. You know, they're talking about, oh, well, you know, he should have got other jobs, you know, bigger clubs. It's not what it's about. He's not a normal football manager. And that, again, I think makes it quite shocking. Yeah, I said on the show that was uh, live straight after the announcement that, you know, there were a lot of other fans coming on to the chat and, you know, giving us grief, even from Manchester United and Liverpool fans, which think, well, you know, are you looking at Bournemouth, small tin pot club, and you're trying to get one over us by, you know, laughing your heads off? I thought it was, you know, that's a sign of how far we've actually come. But like you say, there are other teams who get through their managers like they do kitchen towels. And it's it's one of those things that makes us a different club and uh, we're very unique. But maybe this is the start of us just being any other run-of-the-mill club. Who knows? Uh, Neil Dawson, how did you hear the news on Saturday night? I got a text from my son. Um, I was in the middle of moving house, so he uh, texted me, and that was the, that was the first that I was aware of it. And then I jumped online and obviously caught up with everything else that was uh, that was happening. But um, you know, as, as Jeff said, people don't really understand our club. Um, uh, I think a lot of people think we're kind of the size of a Huddersfield or uh, um, you know one of those sort of clubs. They don't realise that we're actually like a Rochdale. Uh, or, uh, you know, we're not even like a Plymouth, really. We're more like an Exeter, mm. aren't we? So, and that's the bit that I think, um, you know, when you listen to these phoning shows and people are saying, you know, maybe he should move on or maybe he should go, I think that's the bit that, that they just really don't understand the size of our football club. I think only we understand the size of our football club uh, and the magnitude of what he's achieved. Well, yeah, well, I mean, we've been in the Premier League for five years, but, you know, 
we know we're small, but we're getting so much media. I mean, over the weekend, uh, Jeff was doing stints on Five Live. He was uh, chatting after Chris Temple alongside Tommy Elphick, and there was a you know good sizable stint. There's been media crews outside the Vitality, and you know it seems that maybe other fans think we're bigger than what we are, but only we seem to know. Um, but the reaction on the AC Bournemouth timelines and on the forums, it's been uh, a feeling of numbness. As Jeff said, he's been feeling, you know, bereft. Um, there's been a whirlwind of emotions and not least, I think it's multiplied by the fact that we have to make decisions and get things done really quickly. This is not the average three month, four month break from football or whatever it usually is. We've got six weeks to turn things around. And there's, in my mind, there's a whirlwind of emotions right now, Neil. Um, there's, it's going to be a busy old time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably, I, I wouldn't say it's manageable, really, because we've got to get uh, whoever we get in. And I think that's, uh, we'll co- probably come on and talk to that. That's going to be a really crucial decision uh, for the club, because I think we're, I think the, my overriding feeling is you, we've got two emotions. We've got the emotion of Eddie going. Once we've parked that and dealt with that emotion, then we've got to move on to the fact of, of what was it that he heard, um, which was why he went. Because I think that's potentially long term, as uh, uh, almost as important as him leaving. Because clearly, he heard something about the direction of the football club. I would imagine that he he's therefore made a decision on the back of. And I think that's probably not quite sunk in for a lot of fans yet. We're still dealing with the Eddie piece, um, but I think there's a that that piece in itself is 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 large. Uh, Jeff, the fact that it was uh, mutual consent uh, tends to suggest that, you know, maybe, um, you know, the board weren't giving Eddie the guarantees that, you know, what he needed, either with the training ground or with particular signings or money or whatever. And it's always been something that we feared once we did get relegated to the championship. But um, our job now has become almost like tenfold as difficult without Eddie, in my opinion. And my levels of optimism for how we're going to be dealing with the season have dropped. And I'd be happy just to stay in the league this year. Yeah, I think the motivations for why he made that decision will be really very interesting to explore. Um, Obviously, a lot's been said about his tiredness during the season. You know, he was looking like he wasn't enjoying it for large parts of the season. There were issues that he had to deal with. I mean, he's dealt with injury issues before, but I'm not sure he's had the people management issues Uh, for so much of the season in the past. I think also trying to get the team right for the matches that he was playing. I mean, you know, we had the best quality team that we've ever had and yet worst performance in five seasons in the Premier League. And that that I think must have frustrated him. You know, there's there's a lot of pride and professional pride about Eddie that I think probably had something to do with it as well, that he felt he wasn't able to get the players to play the way that he wanted, to that standard. Um, So there's all of that stuff. And then there's what's going on within the club that we're not privy to, we can speculate about. I wonder whether uh, there's talk of perhaps a director of football coming in, perhaps, that he's not that keen on because he is fully in control of what he's got. And it seems pretty clear to me one of the things this season is it, it did get too much for him. Mm. And maybe maybe there's something about that. Not sure. I think we could look at the investment statement that Max put out and think 
yeah, you know, everything's rosy because that's what Max has said. But we don't know the detail. And, you know, Neil could absolutely be spot on. You know, maybe there aren't the the guarantees around what's going to be invested in the squad or what needs to happen. Or maybe there are more players being sold than we're aware of at the moment. I mean, I think tumultuous. I mean, we ain't seen nothing what it's going to be like over the next few weeks. You know, we're going to have, we're going to have a new coach. We're going to have a new setup. We're going to have pre-season friendlies. We're going to have players leaving, players coming. We, we haven't, we haven't, you know, we've, we've got loads, loads more to go of this sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, I do agree. And it's interesting about, you know, the reasons why he went and I'm not even sure whether we'll actually find out. And there are some people that are maybe suggesting that, you know, Maxim's a businessman. He could see that we were struggling at the bottom of the league around Christmas. And, you know, we've always been in those um, kind of areas of the league. I mean, we dropped like a stone since October, November, really. And you just sort of, you wonder whether Maxim wanted a change earlier because some people have been suggesting he was wanting uh, to get, him gone in January but maybe Jeff Mostyn being the sentimentalist that he is kind of persuaded Maxim to you know keep him on and you know this has perhaps almost been written in the stars for you know the last few months but what's your kind of your you know your take Neil on the possibilities of you know why it has happened? Uh, I think had he had he um, wanted to keep him uh, he would have kept him uh, had he wanted him to go, rather, he'd have got rid of him in January or February. So I don't think there's any logic. And I think he will be a logical man and he will be advised by logical people. There was no point in... The, if you were going to make a hard-nosed decision about Eddie Howe, the time to make that was January. Uh, there's no point in making it now because what, we've, what we would have had with Eddie was a manager who knows how to win the championship and a manager who knows how to work with less resources. So he had the perfect manager for the championship. So I... I could have understand it, although I would have been very disappointed had he sacked Eddie in January. I can't understand it now. So I think, I do think they've got a good relationship. I think they've sat down. I think um, a lot of football clubs post-COVID are looking at very, very little revenue. A lot of companies worldwide are making decisions about capital expenditure on building projects uh, and reducing them or not doing them. And I think he's effectively, uh, Eddie wanted to stay if he was going to keep the playing squad together and build a legacy around a training ground and a stadium. I think he's been explained to him that, unfortunately, that won't be happening in the current economic climate. And I think the two of them have made a mutually um, uh, amicable, amicable decision, would be my guess. None of us really know, but that's that's the way I think it's, it probably would have played out. Um, I, I can't, I don't think, unless we find out, Willow's intimated there might be something stranger afoot. But until we hear that, my my take on it would be as I just described. Yeah, there's, it's, and you've just encapsulated really, there's, you know, there's such a whirlwind of emotions and, you know, there's lots of players that bought into the Eddie Howe philosophy and those players now, I'm starting to wonder, well, will we be able to retain them? Players like, you know, Lloyd Kelly, uh, Chris Meppham, are they going to meet? Are they maybe going to look elsewhere? Now, of course, we can talk about new managers, etc. And do we bring in someone, you know, from the outside, or do we look look internally? And people have been talking about Stephen Purchase or whatever. But isn't you know, surely if we've got rid of Eddie, that 
that now's time for a fresh start. And if we went with someone internal like Purchase, we'd just be uh, basically the same as we are now, but arguably with a a manager of less quality. Yeah, can't disagree with that. I think um, uh, I'll tell you what I think as well is important. Right, the the whole sort of Eddie as family man, we shouldn't under underestimate that. You know, you, you could see that he had little of that passion that he used to have, even even a couple of seasons ago. You know, that that four one win we got against Leicester, we barely celebrated that, and and that's that I think speaks to an Eddie who wasn't wasn't loving the job as much and. Wanting to spend more time with your family is a real cliche, but it's stressful doing that job. How stressful it was this season when he was under so much pressure. There are loads of things going on on the playing side, let alone on what could have been happening in the club uh, that um, might have messed him about. And if he's if he's finished the season now, we've got six weeks turnaround. He's got to put the amount of effort in to figure out of those. Uh, 23 clubs in the championship what are their strengths and weaknesses all that research 46 games he's committing himself to next season bloke needs a break I completely get that I completely get that and you can't you can't say as a football manager Eddie you know what take six months off and then come back and see how you feel after that Have have a rest and you know what it's like if you don't enjoy a job anymore it's hard to motivate yourself to actually do it so I wouldn't underestimate any of that as, as a factor in his decision-making. I think we may well go with someone who knows the championship really well because we'll need that intelligence straight off the bat. You know, we can't, we can't mess about. If we're going to, if we're going to survive, let alone, you know, finish top half or whatever, we've, we've got to start running straight away. Yeah. We, yeah, we have to, it's, it is a manager's job that um, encompasses so much at Bournemouth more than any other club. And I've said it before on many a podcast. He's he's involved in so many different aspects within the club, even the marketing, um, lots of different things that goes out. And it, it, it's almost like he's sort of, you know, taken on too much. I mean, he's he's not unique in that there are other managers in the Premier League that have had more games to manage this season. And, you know, They've been in jobs for long periods of time. So what do you think it is, Neil, that has you know, caused Eddie to look so fatigued? Because he has visibly fatigued, whereas previously, um, I'm sure he has felt tired, but he just carries on and carries on. But this time, it, it seems to be a bit too much for him. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he even picks the colour of the kit and the design <laughs> of the kit. I was thinking the other day when the new manager arrives and uh, someone says to him, do you want V-neck or do you want round neck? He's probably going to be thinking, guys, what did what did my predecessor actually do? Um, yeah. So I think uh, it, it, it's, I mean, his he's, he's, he's roots reach out throughout the entire club, which make him a very unusual football manager. And I think if you, I was reflecting on who I would choose or if I was, you know, the board who I would choose. And I think the two things um, that we need, I think the first thing, um, is we need someone that can work with limited resources. I think um, whatever decision's been made, I think that's clearly a, a decision based on the on the amount of resources we're going to have for next year. And the second thing, I think it's got to be someone that's got a really strong personality because when you take over from someone that's been a legend, it's really, really difficult. And I think we've seen that a number of clubs in Manchester United, 
Borussia Dortmund, when you're following in people like um, Ferguson or Klopp, it's it's really it's really really hard. And and although obviously Eddie's not reached the heights of those in his career, it's exactly the same um, issue in terms of Bournemouth that anyone coming in will have, um, because because he was all encompassing throughout the club. So I think. Um, I think we're looking for someone that can work with um, small resources and someone that's got a really good personality that will get the whole club to move on, Eddie, because the fans will be seeing his name for weeks and, uh, you know, we, we can just see it's going to be a really difficult job. So I was thinking, if you reflect on that, my top two would be Gareth Ainsworth um, at Wickham or uh, Nigel Pearson. How much do you think um, the coronavirus, Jeff, has had an effect on all this because um i'm sure you know eddie loves to uh, communicate with the fans both you know in person and you know visibly he's always turned around and you know waving to people in the main stand and i can imagine that's you know for a small club like us where it's relied on more than any you know other club in the premier league um i can imagine it's uh it's been quite a sort of loss for him and he's a family man he's a people person he's a good man manager and he's had none of that do you think you know do you think a virus from china has basically lost eddie his job <laughs> well, uh, we can blame it for a lot of things. Why not blame it for that? Um, if if you go back to our last game pre-lockdown, which was Liverpool away, yeah. and we put in a decent performance. I mean, it was a classic performance from the season, wasn't it? You know, we could have got a draw and instead we lose 2-1. We have a player who gets injured and you know, it kind of turns the game and we make a couple of mistakes and they score. That Sorry. game... Yeah, sounds familiar. That game was actually quite an encouraging one to watch as a fan because you thought Fraser was actually putting in a performance in that game. Uh, Callum Wilson scored, which was you know the first time he'd scored for a while. And the team was playing with an intensity and a passion that felt like old Bournemouth. Now, looking forward to the next game, which would have been Palace at home, I think we'd have got a totally different performance out of the team if it had been the week after rather than wait, you know, nine weeks and then start again because we were just in a different mindset. And actually, I think it did have a factor because we didn't come out of the, the lockdown very well at all in those two crucial games that we had to win at home. We didn't turn up. And... The fans missing was a big part of that. I'm sure we'd have got behind the team for that Palace game and we'd have got a totally different result, possibly. Well, certainly got a totally different performance than we got. So I think the fans mattered. Eddie made a big point about how important the fans were. And I I believe him. I think that did affect the players negatively. We've not got much of the vitality to scare other teams. What we do have is a small pitch and fans right on top of you. Mm. And we create a hell of an atmosphere for 10,000 uh, supporters, so I'm sure that would have made a difference. Um, so yeah, thanks, coronavirus. <laughs> it's it's you know it's not just a manager. I mean, I know that it's it's rumored that JT is going to take over in the interim and all these sort of different bits and pieces. But you know, if Eddie goes for a person that's been involved in so much, there's going to be big shoes to fill, and no one can just do what he did because. He was an exceptional manager that, you know, had his fingers in so many pies, you know, sort of within the club. It almost needs a restructure, Neil, doesn't it? Um, you know, from the management up or, you know, even management down, whichever way you want to look at it. It's, you know, it's not just one person that needs to be replaced. So do you think 
this will mean that there will be some of the coaches in the first team that will probably be very nervous now. Yeah, I think whoever whoever comes in will want a clean sheet because there'll be too much residue of Eddie around and there'll be too much talk of it wasn't like this when Eddie was here. And that's just the nature of anyone that's done any job in leadership. When you when you take over from someone, those things just aren't helpful for you. Um, so I think, the, you know, I would imagine that anyone worth their salt coming in is going to come in and say, um, I'll, I'll join, but I want this coach, I want this fitness coach, because that's the way that the world of football works. Just as, um, you know, when Eddie takes his next job, I would imagine they'll all go with him because uh, football managers have very little time and they need people around them that they can trust um, uh, because they, they only get half a season often before someone makes a decision on them. So, yeah, I would be exceptionally nervous if I was um, Stephen Purchase or Jason Tindall. Mm. And, you know, we all, of course, wish Eddie the best with his health and that he has the break um, you know that he needs. Jeff, when do you think would be the feasible time for him to come back into management because it, it was clear that really this break that we got of six weeks was you know was never really going to be enough given that all the uh, stuff he's got to do I mean I think players are coming back in for training on August the 11th that is no time you know like even a you know like even a fortnight's holiday would not have been enough for him really would have it no I'm really struggling to see what his next job is can can you see him uprooting himself from Bournemouth after what happened at Burnley to go to any other side? So what does that mean? Um, is he going to be Southampton's manager and commute? You know, he could do that after Hassan Hootel goes. Could do that possibly. But uh, will, will a lot of uh, bigger clubs give him that sort of freedom to pick his own team and, and be so embedded if he, if he wants to be that controlling? Will that be permitted at a bigger club? And do you think Not he sure. would like that? You know, do you think he would like to just be able to concentrate on the football without all the rest of it? I mean, it, you know, it could work both ways for him. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure... Um, I'm sure he does want to concentrate on the football more, but he's also he's he's he is a, a micromanaging boss, and I'm not I'm not sure he could cope with that. Um, what job do I see him taking? I could see him doing something within the under twenty one setup. Perhaps that might actually suit him. Less pressure, you know, and he's well thought of. I think as a bright English manager, um, Gareth Southgate wasn't hugely successful before he got into it, was he? Mm. So. Maybe something like that. I don't. I. I honestly can't see him taking another club on. Really, he won't have that same connection. He really won't. Bristol, Bristol yeah, City. I think he can yeah. do it from his, he can do it from his house easy enough, and um, he uh, he would be given a lot of freedom there. I think they would be glad to have him. He, they're up there. He he needs to be really careful. I think there'll be one word echoing in his head. Um, and that's um, Kerbishley, Alan Kerbishley at, uh, at Charlton, who did a very similar job to Eddie and created a team that played wonderful football in the Premier League and uh, was touted around for a lot of jobs. Um, then they got relegated and they parted company with Alan Kerbishley and, every, and everyone said, well, it's only a matter of time um, before he springs up in another job. He's never worked again. Um, mm. And uh, so I just think you've got to be careful when you take a sabbatical that that sabbatical is a th- probably at tops four or five months of really intensive learning um, and, the, you know, personal development or whatever he chooses. But then he needs to come back and he needs to get a championship side or above 
uh, else he's in danger of will be his footnote. So um, I think he'll be back sooner than people think. Neil, do you think that, uh, I mean, obviously in your lifetime supporting AC Bournemouth, you've seen many Cherries managers, you know, come and go, but, you know, football as a whole, it's, you know, it's almost a weekly occurrence. But do you think that there will have been, you know, any ideas from the board at this stage about who could potentially fill his shoes? Or do you think there are conversations that perhaps have not been had yet? Um, I think there'll be... You'd hope that they would always have had a plan B. I mean, if they're a well-run outfit, um, they would have, they should have, they should have a replacement for every player and every member of the of the management team. So you hope they would have someone. I mean, I, I, I mean, the one I would love to take a, a, a punt on is Gareth Ainsworth. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and Neil and uh, Jeff, have you have you got any preferences from the name? Well, the the one that stands out for me who actually understands what the club's all about and has got a similar kind of heritage to Eddie would be Steve Robinson, who's done an amazing job on little resource at Motherwell. I mean, the, you look at some of their stats. I mean, he was touted for the Northern Ireland job earlier this year. He's obviously a very talented uh, coach. He was here as part of the, the 95 Great Escape team and, you know, played at Wembley with us as well in that. That, uh, that final years ago. So Robbo understands where the club has come from. And I think he could, he knows a lot of the players. I mean, he played with Fletch. So, you know, he knows a lot of the players, which might be helpful, might not be. But what would he see? He'd see a team that's got bigger resources than Motherwell. And he's got the opportunity to prove himself in championship and then take that forward into the Premier League, hopefully. And I think that could be really attractive to him. If we do go for somebody who knows the championship well, I see Paul Cook from Wigan is current favourite and all the reports I've read of him, he's a decent manager. But honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm just not sure anybody from outside can really step in and make a difference straight away. Neil was uh, shaking his head at Paul Cook, but he was nodding at uh, Steve Robinson. Neil, um, leaving... Motherwell from the Scottish Premiership into AFC Bournemouth, small club uh, in the Championship. Would that be a step down for him or would it be pretty much a sideways step? Uh, Steve Robinson, I wasn't shaking my head at him. I'd love to see Steve Robinson. He'd probably be my top three would be Pearson, Robinson and Ainsworth for me. Um, I was shaking my head at Paul Cook because if, if I have to listen to him on the radio, I, I don't think I'll... I don't, I'm not sure I'll carry on going because uh, he just drives me insane with his football manager scouts dribble. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I think in the championship, when you've got a, a manager with the calibre of Eddie Howe, that is the new, you know, obviously there's the story that goes with it, League Two, League One, Championship, Premier League, kept us in there for five seasons. Um, obviously got a ninth place finish, known for an attractive brand of football, known for bringing through young up-and-coming players. You can see with the players that we've signed and even sold on. I mean, Tyrone Mings barely played and his stock, I mean, we almost like tripled his value. David Brooks, Aaron Ramsdale, Callum Wilson, Josh King. We could go, you know, forever with this. He's obviously got um, a lot of people that... Um, you know, love his brand of football, love his managerial style, and a lot of players also buy into him as well. How much of a loss is it going to be to not have just his name as our manager in the championship? Because how attractive are we now without how? You know, would we be as attractive with 
I don't know, Steve Robinson or like any other names that you said, like Nigel Pearson, for instance, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think that's a really good question. Um, he's got a lot of charisma and he's got a lot of um, a lot of kudos in the way he coaches. His reputation and stock is very high for improving players, so I'm sure that that does make a, a difference. the The key will be, I think, what the what the club actually put put down as their vision for the future and whether players buy into that going forwards. Less less so about the charisma of the manager, certainly in the early early days. One one thing I would say about the successor as well is uh, the one time that we lost Eddie when he went to Burnley, Lee Bradbury took over and was kind of trying to do Eddie Light at that time, which worked for a period. Uh, he was liked internally. That was definitely that internal continuity appointment, but it all kind of fell apart. And then there was the Paul Gross, Sean Brooks again. There was a kind of, I mean, Sean Brooks and Paul Groves were both from the U team, but with a different kind of vision. Again, internal appointments didn't work. So, you know, we need to be really careful about if it is an internal appointment, what what are we actually expecting him to do? Because I think JT will try and manage like Eddie if he gets the job, but he ain't Eddie. And that, that I think, will create more issues than uh, solutions. Neil, Eddie worked wonders with us and you know what he did was unbelievable but you know let's just balance this up a little bit he wasn't without his weaknesses was he and this has been one of the worst footballing seasons with probably one of the the best squads that we've got in a long time so he's not without fault and you know any other club in the Premier League would have probably sacked their manager I think um, he had a bit of a green card to last until the end of the season He's parted company, which is the right way for him to go. I think it would have been wrong for him to be sacked. But let's just talk about, you know, the reasons why perhaps it could be a good thing for us because the last sort of 12 months has has not been brilliant, has it? Yeah, I mean, is, is, this, is this us trying to end on a high, I guess, isn't it? But the um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think the... It's certainly things that have gone stale, that's for sure. So... Um, it's interesting a lot of the players who are tweeting frantically about how um, disappointed and gutted they are. Some of them have put in just 50% of effort in those five relegation games against Christmas. In Christmas, he'd still be here. Um, and for whatever reason, he lost the ability to get the players to go out on the pitch and fight tooth and nail for him. And I think, I think, he, I think it frustrated him more than ever. Um, and, um, you know, logically, the upside will be that when someone comes in that anyone that was comfortable or having an easy ride will no longer be comfortable and having an easy ride. Um, the downside is they won't have all of the other magical things that we saw from Eddie from, you know, up, up until the last 18 months. Um, so, you know, with a good appointment, so if Steve Robinson came or Gareth Ainsworth came or someone like that, and they set their own mark on the club, um, brought some players in, there's a bedrock of great players there, introduced a new style, then it could be really entertaining. I just think I'd rather would have done the championship with Eddie. Yeah, 
uh, I think I'm I'm on board with that. But Jeff, there were um, in many a podcast that we recorded together, and also with Neil, where there were you know square pegs in round holes, and players were being played out of position, and substitutions were being made at different times, and you know formations we looked at even before the game, thinking you know what on earth is he doing there? So um, you know he wasn't he wasn't without fault. And do you just think sometimes when you're consumed within the bubble that you've basically created? you sometimes lose your head a bit and you know the lack of having any external factors has perhaps caused this situation that we're in today uh, i think that's a very valid point i mean he he was really stubborn and you saw that a lot this season i think also the number of times that we as fans felt tactically eddie you've got it wrong it's probably more so this season than any other any other time i think he he, he seemed to lose that uh, belief in himself that he could make a game-changing substitution or tweak things and, you know, he, that in-game kind of tactical now. So, I mean, I remember when we were talking about the Newcastle game, I mean, to, to see him outwitted by someone like Steve Bruce, no disrespect, but actually loads of disrespect, you know, that, that, that didn't seem to me the Eddie of a few seasons ago. No, and Kurt Tovey on the um, on the chat that we did immediately after the news said that it, it was personified by his uh, selection of team against Everton, where it was almost like he was throwing all his eggs in one basket with the formation that he put out there. Um, it's it is a funny one, um, but you know, overall, we cannot deny what an incredible job he's done I just I just kind of wish it happened in different circumstances whereby we were still in the Premier League but now it sort of looks like a, a bit of a failure where we've got not much of a legacy Neil and you know what legacy is there because the training ground I would have thought that if that was going ahead there would be no doubt that Eddie would want to stay and see it through but um, I mean we don't know with regards to that but what have we got from this five-year stint in the Premier League? Nothing nothing so, and that's the, that's the very frustrating and very Bournemouth um, story of the whole uh, era um, is that only we could only we could get six hundred uh, million quid and not build a stadium with it. Um, and uh, instead, we bought you know, and I know we've made a lot of great signings, but we could have built a stadium for the you know the money that we spent on um, Graben, Solanke, I, and the Phoebe. Um, none of which, you know, none of which we ever used um, really, because we always had the same players that kept us up, and that's the that's the frustrating side. As a business model, it's been the most flawed five years you could ever you could ever anticipate, because um, we should have built a stadium, and, and Eddie should have left uh, on the back of a good season and gone on to a, a better job, and we should have had a successor lined up. That that's how you would run a successful business. Unfortunately. Um, we've had many, many years of not running a successful business and being a bit tin pot. And so as it stands, we're, we're probably going to have a big struggle in the championship next year with exactly the same stadium and 600 million quids floated away. Do you think it's almost, uh, Neil, do you think it, uh, we almost did it too much the wrong way round? Because obviously the focus was on retaining Premier League status. Therefore, we... Bought the players that Howe needed, spent a lot of money on them, and yet the infrastructure was almost, uh, you know, was almost a secondary thought. And it was only 
after a couple of seasons where this, you know, we had to talk about stadium expansions and stuff and that that didn't really happen. And, the, and then the training ground wasn't going to happen, will it, won't it? And finally, you know, the land was cleared. I mean, nothing's been sort of you know built yet. and We don't know whether it will. But do you think, it, it, you know, there was almost too much focus on the playing side? A hundred percent, hundred percent. We um, and I think if you were going to be quite harsh on Eddie, I think he was part of that. I think he was part of the decision-making process that decided pretty early on that staying in the Premier League was key to unlocking the 110 million every year, and therefore he needed 40, 50 million pounds worth of players every year to get the 110 million. Um, and ultimately, he probably didn't because. All he ever did was go back to the team that got him up for the first three years. They would have, they would have, they'd have comfortably stayed in that division, and we could have done something to have built an infrastructure for the future. Um, and mm. I think that that will be that will be a huge regret. Jeff, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? And uh, you know, if if we had finished seventeenth for a number of seasons in a row with you know the bare bones of squad and you know just spending frugally like a lot of Premier League teams you sometimes do, but still manage to retain their status, you know we could have you know come out with this training ground already built, you know maybe a new stadium in the pipeline or you know sort of under development now. Do you think Eddie Howe almost had too much say in how money was spent, perhaps? Yeah, quite probably. I think the one thing that we have got after these five years is, well, we've got a bit more respect from other football clubs because, you know, I don't think uh, there's only one of the top six sides that we haven't beaten in the last five years. And I I, I certainly know that Chelsea fans are delighted to see us go down. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I think think probably as a, as a, a, a football club, we're now better known, but that's valueless ultimately. The stadium has been, I mean, that has been such a, an issue for so many years. Even even the current stadium, when that got built, how many times have we talked about increasing the capacity of that stadium, buying it back so that we actually own it? We can't do that deal, so we can't actually do anything on that side. All the sort of planning issues with the council about where we do build and all, all the infrastructure development that that would need as well to support it. I mean, it's gone on and on and on. And um, even when we were rising from League Two, League One Championship, it's still been an issue and we've not been successfully able to resolve that. And I have no idea why that problem seems so big that we can't solve it because it's fundamental to the success of the club and we should have made progress in the last couple of years, I mean, we should we should at least be building it. Yeah, and Neil, what do you think fuels Maxim? Because you put out that really positive statement on Tuesday about I'm committed to getting us, you know, back into the Premier League. But I don't know; it just seems such a tough like ask now. I mean, I don't know whether at that stage he knew what he was going to do or whether it wasn't. But I mean, it it's probably easier for him to cut his losses and recoup what he can and run, but. You know, do you think that was lip service, what he said on Tuesday? Or do you think it was almost, um, one, something to maybe um, try to you know, coax Eddie into staying or maybe make us an attractive proposition for a manager that wants to come in to think, oh, you know, I'll have resources to try to get this club back into the top flight. I mean, what, what makes him stay on? Because for all intents and purposes, he'd be better off leaving. Well, I think, well, I think that statement was a PR statement to the fans. 
Uh, I think um, he would have known that the discussions were ongoing. And I think he would have wanted to have done put some sort of stake in the ground to the fans to say, look, we're trying to keep Eddie. Uh, and uh, I think he would have been advised to put a statement out um, along those lines. Uh, because if you think about it, what's the opposite of that statement? That's something that you just can't say. Yeah. Uh, I think from him, it's difficult without knowing his business interests. Um, uh, everything is worth an awful lot less than it was um, uh, uh, two, you know, six months ago. Uh, and so it's it's you know it's it's not as simple as being able to cut your losses and run. I think he, if he wants to get his money back out of the club, then he needs to get it back into the Premier League because there there will be no money now. Yeah, no, that's um, right. He's you know, the, the, the problem, yeah, the problem going back to what Jeff said was that when you don't when you don't improve your infrastructure, the, your chances of coming back are slimmer. So I would have much rather that we um, put money into a stadium and a training ground and got relegated because at some point in the next twenty years, there's a much stronger chance you can come back. Um, now we're going to be, you know, with financial fair play, we're going to be judged on a very small income, and. Yeah. Unless we find another Eddie Howe, we are potentially heading back to where we've spent most of our life. Mm, that's and that's the horrible thought. It, I mean, it really is. And like you say, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And it's just a shame that we're in this position now with you know not much to show for it. Few fans, Jeff, calling for a statue to Eddie Howe. Is that something that you'd subscribe to? Uh, as a minimum, I'd name the training ground after him when it gets built. Um, maybe the new stadium should be named after him when it gets built. Those would be um, suitable legacies. I mean, statues. I mean, I'll, I'll, ever since that Cristiano Ronaldo effort, I'm not a big fan of statues. They, they, they can look rubbish and they're not the same as, as the real person. I don't think we're a statue sort of club anyway. Probably no, the, count, no. the council would probably object and we wouldn't be able to get planning permission for it. Yeah, go on, Neil. I think you need to die to get a statue. That's yeah. my that's my take on it. I think I, think, I just think statues are for dead people, aren't they? And I don't think Eddie Howe would want all that crap on the unveiling of a statue. Yeah. I think name a stand, name a training ground, all of that's great, but statues are for dead people. Well, well, it feels like he has, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, you know, it it is this kind of funereal. Um, you know, sort of atmosphere at the moment. But um, yeah, five weeks to go then. And uh, it's going to be a, a very interesting one, Jeff, isn't it? And there's going to be a lot of movement, um, you know, new manager being named, etc. And it's got to be surely a, a season of stability now. I mean, you can't, I mean, if somehow by some miracle we managed to get promoted this season, whoever's in charge, arguably it would be, a bigger achievement than what Eddie achieved, perhaps, you know, given the, what's gone on beforehand. One of the big things in favour of the new coach will be there won't be any fans for the first few games for however long, we don't know. That could that could be October, it could change, could stretch out longer than that. And that will give him a chance to actually work with the players without any pressure from screaming fans or Eddie Howe chance coming from raining down from the, the sides, which I think will actually be helpful. So he'll get the opportunity to work with the players in the way that he wants them to work. I think, for me, it's important that we keep the Bournemouth style. I don't want to see uh, long ball a la Jimmy Quinn coming into the, the team. And I, I, I still believe that critical to all of that is going to be who we hold on to going forwards. Certain players I'm actually quite relaxed about letting go. And I think... 
I think Callum's probably done an Eddie. You know, I think he's probably had enough at Bournemouth and needs to move on. Agreed. Uh, speaking of the players, Neil, uh, apparently, according to Chris Temple and a number of, of other sources, they were unaware of this news and they were made aware exactly the same time as we are. How do you feel if you were his captain or any player that's been signed by him to learn at the same time as the fans that he's going? Yeah, I think um, uh, it was a strange one because you'd normally think that he would have had a training ground meetup or a Zoom call or something to say to say goodbye. And maybe that's the bit that because maybe that's the bit that Willow's alluding to with something strange that happened. Um, because uh, Eddie always does everything the right way. Um, mm. uh, that's the one thing that we do know about him, and I'm really surprised that the. You could clearly see from the players, they found out exactly the same time as us. Mm. Now, it was the club that put out the original statement, though, wasn't it? Not Eddie. So, potentially that was was something to, you know, maybe that that was just that we want to get it out there. Um, uh, Maybe, I don't know. That was the one bit that was really odd. Yeah, and, you know, Jeff, you know, judging by the size of Eddie's letter, I mean, he must have started writing it about two weeks ago because, honestly, it was it was like the Book of Genesis. So, you know, he covered a lot of ground and it's something that they wouldn't have hashed together in a, in a couple of hours. It would have taken a day or, you know, maybe a couple of days. So if he knew, surely it wouldn't have taken much just to contact the players and just let them know what on earth's going on because a lot of players were visibly shocked. I mean, Fletch was obviously saying what he said and there was a, you know, a bit of a Twitter banter between him and Warren Cummings and Charlie Daniels, very emotional, Steve Cook with a sad face, etc. Um, it's it's a bizarre thing to, you know, get texted to you or see on Twitter or whatever at 9pm on a Saturday night. Yeah, the, the whole thing around the timing of the announcement makes little sense um, and how it was done unless you know we're being we're being managed in this way i think neil makes a really good point that perhaps when that statement came out on tuesday from max that there was a sense that the conversations weren't going well so they wanted to get the the club perspective out first before this decision happened i think eddie's probably been writing that statement for who knows how long you know certainly i i don't think he's he's done that you know in a night he's he's been thinking about it for months um and i suspect that they wanted to keep it quiet uh from the players for i don't know um keep keep a lid on it because there was already quite a bit of speculation come the end of the season come everton last week that he was going to go and I, I i don't know i i, I can't I can't really see why he didn't go on Sunday and why he went this Sunday. You know, he could have made the announcement after the Everton game if, if and, and call it quits. And I don't think any of us would have been surprised. The longer it went on, it made it more surprising, to be honest. In, in hindsight, Jeff, wouldn't you have rather had it the other way around in that we'd have rather had Eddie's news first and then have something from Maxim saying, I'm committed to getting us back in the Premier League? Yep, totally. Uh, you had a wry smile on your face, Neil, when talking about the tweets of players, uh, especially um, Steve Fletcher and uh, a few, you know, a few others that sort of commented sometimes with just emojis. But um, can you uh, reveal more about your facial expressions there? 
No, it's just the, the clearly there was a there must be a bit of beef between Warren Cummings and Steve Fletcher because I think Warren Cummings has taken his tweet down now, but he oh, I see. Uh, he was quite acidic in his um, just crack on, just get on with it. You're a first team coach. Why are you writing like that? Um, and then and then you could see Fletcher was a bit hurt because he he kind of went back and said. Um, uh, something along the Thanks lines the of caring or whatever. Yeah, that's it was right. Just, yeah. uh, it, it just, I think it revealed a, uh, revealed a bit. Revealed a bit. Yeah, it's um, it's certainly very raw. And yeah, I mean, you know what? This is a developing story and we're going to be talking about it some more. So we, what we'll do is we'll wrap it up there for this particular podcast. But I'm sure we'll be chatting more in the forthcoming uh, weeks and months, and uh, well, weeks. Um, Neil, you're moving house this weekend, isn't it? So um, that threw a spanner in the works, did it? Or have you been able to, um, you know, crack on fairly successfully? Yeah, no, um, uh, well, gradually, gradually we're getting there. You know what moving house is like, it's a nightmare. So uh, I had to have my mood picked up last night as well after the announcement, so, so that I could go again today unpacking boxes. Brilliant. Uh, Neil, thanks for coming on today. Really appreciate it. And also, uh, yeah, Jeff Hayward, uh, appreciate your time once again. Looking forward to a quiet week, Sam. And Neil Dawson there, almost too choked to say goodbye. The The audio there was a little bit choppy, as uh, we alluded to. Uh, Neil is moving house. Therefore, um, it was on a, a 4G stroke 3G iPad connection with no headphones. So apologies if it um, came across a, a little bit skew with, but hopefully you got the gist of that message. Um, some audio that was very clear was from our YouTube video that we put on and Facebook after full time, after full time. Well, it feels like full time. It feels like the end after nine o'clock on Saturday when that news was announced. I don't know about you, but at 8.59 that evening, my optimism for the next for the forthcoming season was was pretty good I was thinking you know what with Eddie we can achieve anything at 9.01 I felt flat as a pancake but what did the fans feel we've got Mike Botto first then Chris Temple and then some other thoughts provided by Cherry's supporters across the globe Mike um, hey guys it's a raw time for all of us how are you feeling buddy <sighs> well look first of all kudos to you guys for for getting this up and, and I messaged you Sam I've you know not previously opted to come on because <clears throat> because I work for the club and uh, I have to be careful what I say I guess but um yeah. but you have a fantastic support network here and tonight I need it my wife's away <laughs> my oh, wife's man. away and I've, the news has just come through and I'm and I've nearly woke up my little boy to say right come on you you're sleeping in my bed tonight because I'm I'm yeah. gutted absolutely gutted and uh yeah, so I, I just tuned in to say hello, really, and to uh, and to commiserate with the rest of you. Um, it's, um, I mean, it's sad times. I know that you're obviously, you know, you work for the club and you obviously don't want to take part in maybe what certain people are saying. But, it, you know, this has come, obviously, as a surprise to you more than anyone. Uh, well, I don't know that it comes surprise to me, no, because I think his demeanour um, over the past few weeks has, has been someone that is that is tired and has given his all and and, and it hasn't gone well um so it doesn't come as a, a massive surprise i think i tweeted um where's the effect that you know if if uh if we go down that's one thing but i think if we lose any that's that's quite another and uh yeah i'm just devastated that it's um it's come to this one thing i'm concerned about and this is uh thinking slightly out of the box what on earth are we gonna sing 
because most <laughs> of our songs revolve around Eddie. Yeah. yeah. Revolve about being in the Premier League. We've, yeah. you know, we're gonna have to be rewriting our songbooks, um, you know, you know, pretty quickly. Um, but there's, you know, there's rumours about some people staying on, like, you know, JT. You know, for example, what are you gonna miss about not having him around, Mike? Uh, well, he, for me, he sort of personifies the club, and um, I tweeted a little while ago that that when he came back from Burnley, it felt like we'd got our club back. Now, Lee Lee Bradbury yeah. was a was a club man. He'd been with us a a while before he became manager and Fletcher was involved on the management team but just just having Eddie at the helm again it, it did feel like our club and um and it's going to be really really weird and I think that the double knock of starting the season with no fans in the ground and no Eddie on the touchline mm. you know we I'm sure a number of us have been supporting the club you know long before Eddie was at the helm I've been a season ticket holder for for 35 years so um you know we we were Bournemouth before Eddie was manager and we will be again but it's gonna feel incredibly odd and and like I say compounded because we don't have the fans there as well um yeah it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough gig for whoever does take control over the summer um and and into the new season what kind of uh you know sort of uh, you know liaisons do you have with Eddie Mike is it just mainly on a match day where you sort of you know chat briefly in passing or is he you know sort of on your phone that you might text for example what kind of relationship do you have with him yeah no it's 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 predominantly it's match days I mean yeah I've, I've done a fair bit with Eddie down the, the years obviously um in in the role um uh but yeah I, I I don't have his mobile number I won't be texting him but um but yeah we, we would chat you know every match day without fail and he's uh, he's just a gent, and and always has been. And it's the same Eddie Howe that I knew as a as a player. It's the same Eddie Howe as I knew as a reserve team manager, um, and and the guy that took us up to the the Premier League and kept us there for five years. He, he is the same genuine, um, solid bloke that you 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 see and comes across in in the media. Mm. And. Um... I'll let you go fairly mm. shortly, but um, can you just, well, just briefly change the subject in terms of what, I mean, what's it been like being a match day announcer over these you know, past couple of months with no one in the ground? It must be the most surreal experience in the world, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And and it, it just goes to, you know, it, as if we, we didn't know it already, the fans are the club and uh, it's been, it's been pretty rubbish to well, the results haven't helped, have they? But it's been really pretty rubbish being there and and not having uh, having the folk that I sit around in the stands and and, and to to sit and watch the match with, um, and of course the the atmosphere that's created and just you know having the AFC Bournemouth family together we've 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 really missed that, um, and I you know the sooner we can all get back together the better. You're looking very smart, Chris. Uh, straight back from Wembley, right? I've literally just landed back, Sam, like five minutes ago. Um, it's been quite the evening. Is it? I'm sorry, I've missed what you guys have been saying, but um, in terms of what news I had of it, um, the first I knew of it was when I had a call from our sports editor at BBC Radio Solent, Adam Blackmore, on my way home to say, Eddie's gone. I had absolutely no idea, no hint. I was of the opinion he was going to stay. Um, and so, yeah, I've literally had to stop at Fleet Services, do a couple of interviews for Five Live, read the statements in full, get a Burger King, obviously, and then I just <laughs> made my way home. So, uh, yeah, just, just still taking it all in, really. Just to update on a couple of things I have picked up, a couple of phone conversations I've had in the uh, 
the sort of interim period. And sorry if I'm repeating anything you, you've already sort of talked about. But um, the, the key thing, I guess, is everyone wanted to know is, is it genuinely a, an amicable split between the two? Or has he been sort of sacked and it's been dressed up as mutual agreement? Well, the, the feeling I'm getting, the understanding I'm getting is it is a genuinely amicable parting of the ways. Obviously, an agreement that both club, both club and uh, manager would be better off, um, I guess, starting afresh, if you like. So that's the first thing to say. Um, but you're right, in terms of obviously the turnaround now between the start of the season, I got asked doing a short piece from Five Live a moment ago, where do Bournemouth turn next in terms of who do they go for? The answer is I haven't got a clue, to be honest with you, mm. because we haven't been in this position for a long time. Um, the fact that, Ed, that Jason Tindall is obviously staying on um, initially, I know sometimes people can stay initially for a few days and then the situation can change. But the fact that only Eddie has gone, and the rest of the footballing staff are staying in place. One or two people, as you said, are suggesting possibly it could be an inside appointment. But if you're appointing inside, I mean, I wouldn't think Jason Timble is, you know, he doesn't strike people as management material. The closest I would say in the background is probably Stephen Purchase, um, who is a very sort of astute coach and an intelligent fellow like Eddie. But again, maybe, I mean, who knows, in terms of the external personality side of it, Purchase is quite similar to, to Eddie in that he's a sort of very intelligent, quite reserved um, but I would say he's probably, in terms of coaching qualifications, he's done his pro licence. Um, he's probably the most obvious candidate if you said it was going to be an internal appointment. Um, yeah, I'm a bit confused in what direction the club wants to go in, if I'm being honest. Really raw emotion at the moment. Um, as I look at it now, I'm hearing Chris Hutton might be in the pipeline and he's got a history in the championship of doing well. Personally, it's not for me. I mean, for me... If we're going to move on from Eddie, and it's oh, good luck to the person who's going to try and do that. But for me, we go get Stephen Gerrard. I don't think we can pull it off. But I, I look at someone like Stephen Gerrard and think he could probably come in and the fans might take to someone like that. Young pedigree, trying to prove himself, was a good attacking player in his day. Um, I don't want a Chris Hewton. Um, I just don't. If it doesn't start off from the first whistle in the first game, the fans are just going to be on his back. Um, I, I just don't know who the right man is, but all I've got in my mind at the moment is Steven Gerrard is someone similar to like Eddie, someone who's trying to prove themselves. I think everyone wanted Eddie to have the chance. I've completely shifted. Yeah, massively. I think everyone wanted Eddie to have the chance. It was kind of, if we were going to carry on the fairy tale with Eddie, it was give him the chance in the championship and we bounce straight back next season. Um, unfortunately, that's not going to happen now. Um, and it, in many respects, I'm not trying to take us up to that level, but the job is a bit of a poison chalice. It's a bit like United after Ferguson went. It was, how do you replace him? Because Eddie did so much for the club um, and the expectations were always there. And anyone coming in now, it, it kind of, everyone at the club wants them to do uh, do well. But like you say, it's consolidation more than anything. It's not being pessimistic, but you kind of go playoffs would be a really amazing uh, result next season. I think if, if we can do that, that's great. But I think from the consolidation point of view, it's who we keep now out of the team. Um, rebuilding the team in seven weeks is very difficult. Very difficult. Um, and, and I think you, you, you look at the recruitment, I mentioned it. Um, necessarily, we're not going to have that money to spend now. Uh, we've got to reduce the wages as well. Players will go. Um, and it's great talking about the young talent, but we're talking about the championship here. We know it's probably one of the hardest divisions, if not the hardest division in the whole of Europe, to get out of, but also to play in, because you don't know 
uh, who's going to win week in, week out. We saw it this week. I watched the semi-finals of the, uh, the championship playoffs. Great games, but end-to-end, it was that's what we loved when we were going up in the championship, which is end-to-end football. Um, but we, to rebuild that team in seven weeks to come back to is a tough ask, a very tough ask. Yeah, so there we have it. Some some raw thoughts there, a number of feelings. There was the feeling of being upset, numb, heartbroken, devastated. But some, some fans have got a wry smile on their face because they think, you know what, chance to embrace a new chapter. Oh, granted, uh, there aren't many of them. Hi, this is The Biggin, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So as you can probably tell in this podcast, there, there's no script. I've been feeling a little bit emotional and it's a, it's a bit weird for me personally because as soon as I saw this news, I got texted on a WhatsApp group saying, uh, oh, someone said that Eddie's gone. And I was just like, what? I went straight onto Twitter, saw it confirmed and oh my goodness, I threw myself onto my laptop and I've been sort of taking in what other people say without having time to think about it myself. Um... One of the things we have done, though, is we've done a tribute on our YouTube page and it was called The Journey is Better Than the Destination because it has been, hasn't it? League One into League Two, League One into the champ and then the champ to the prem. Brilliant. And then, yeah, you know what we've achieved and the, you know, the amount that we've done even in the Premier League. It, it has been a great journey, but, you know, we are now leaving that destination and you think well it was the journey rather than the actual target and I know football's a thing whereby you're naturally wanting to improve and if you do improve you'll naturally get into the Premier League but there's a lot to be looking forward to next season even without Mr Eddie Howe but we couldn't let this slip um so we've done a video. It went on YouTube and Facebook. This is the audio from it. As a lot of AFC Bournemouth fans came together and put together some poetic prose to the music of a track called Old Skin from um, Olafur Arnolds, who's the... He composed most of Broadchurch, actually, the music uh, to that. But this is our tribute to say thank you, Eddie. Little old Bournemouth on the south coast, friendly, sedate, they've nothing to boast. 11,000 seats, that's no kind of ground, but when Dean Court is full, boy, we make a sound. From Pulis to Quinn, we all know the rest. There was a ceiling at Bournemouth, we were League One at best. But Eddie took over, put his imprint on the club. Cherry's no longer the laughing stock of the pub. League 2 to League 1, the champ to the prem. The media had us down, well, V's up to them. It was not always easy, this season the worst. Where football came second, the bubble might burst. Fans were concerned that the cherries might fall. Plus, with Covid and VAR, it was no longer football. But restart we did and Eddie looked worn. The championship was calling and fans were forlorn. History tells us that Bournemouth might make an escape. With Howe at the helm a renaissance might take shape. The league restarted with no fans to cheer, not getting behind Eddie and the lads, it was such a huge fear. But let's put it into perspective, it is what it is, and we've had a lifetime of memories where the boys did the biz. Chanting from home, we had to watch on the box, and with four losses to start, we were slow out the blocks. Down by the beach, we'd chat cherries with our friends, talking about the Bournemouth on whom we depend. So down's where we went, I think we all knew. 
But let's look back much further for a different view. It's a far cry from the past with Winter Garden Woe, minus 17 points, the club nearly did go. With Grimsby and Fletch, the story was written. It's moments like this that make us all smitten. Super hitting the net, the north stand a sea of red, and little did we know what would lie ahead. The 2-0 at Burton, second in League One, cherries on the crest of a wave, scoring goals for fun. Yes, there was Burnley, which all sent us off track, but family life came first, so then he came back. The beginning of a rise, the togetherness of staff, Premier League football, you're having a laugh. The 3-0 versus Bolton, the game where we knew Bournemouth have prospered to the EFL FU. Most elated, the cherries at their peak, numb with excitement, well, just ask Jeff's bum cheeks. So what would lie ahead? Would we go toe-to-toe? Well, it's chance to experience the money-fueled show. Big grounds to visit, some better than others. A chance for Saints fans to call us their little brothers. And in the top flight, we prospered with our brand of play. Just ask the Hotspur in 90 minutes, Nathan Ake. Liverpool failed 4-3, players down on their knees. The media purred over us. We were darlings of the league. Steve Cook sees the headlines, drives it for goal, spilt, and Ake has won it surely. And the Cherries have surely completed up. Then the 3-1 at Saints, that was barely a surprise. And the 1-0 at Chelsea, we couldn't believe our eyes. Plus United and Arsenal, those games won't be forgotten. Those teams will never appreciate what it is to be rock bottom. Written off each year as merely pretenders, but for five years we proved Premier League contenders. And so now we know what a wild trip it's been. World famous, what, Bournemouth? Was it a dream? One thing which links us, our saviour and glue, is the man that made it happen. Eddie Howe, thank you. (sighs) Right. Let's wrap up the show then. Ugh. I don't, I don't feel like playing upbeat music, but we always do to end off the show. And look, um, we support Bournemouth, so let's just all come together. And as a podcast, we'll be trying to do whatever we can do. Time is very precious for me at the moment with work being really busy. Um, if you can donate um, to the podcast in any way, shape or form, uh, by, you know, by a review on your podcast app that would be appreciated but if you can uh, donate financially I, I think we're going to be um, buying some sort of new camera stuff for the YouTube channel I need a new mic desperately and uh, also our hosting costs from Podion and also StreamYard the platform that we use to record these podcasts and our live videos at the moment that's racking up at the moment so if you can contribute it's afcbpodcast.com slash coffee 
and uh, yeah, just donate what you can. Uh, AFCBpodcast.com slash coffee. So um, we're basically going to be freestyling the podcast. I think, yeah, we're still going to be doing it every Monday, but the YouTube channel and our Twitter feed is the place to really be, uh, to sort of keep abreast with what we're going to be doing. Videos are going to be coming out all the time. It's a fast-moving situation, but if there's a midweek pod that needs to be done, we'll put it on here, but stay tuned first and foremost to the YouTube channel. We'll be here, I'm sure, on Mondays, but we'll let you know via our socials what on earth is going to be going on. It's it's a real sad time for us at the moment, and uh, it's a time of reflection, but above all, we want Eddie to be okay, and uh, you know, a man that looked fatigued and absolutely shattered, he needs a break. I saw Steve Harris the BBC Radio Solent breakfast show presenter saying that he saw him on Sunday morning as he went out for his run playing tennis in Branksham somewhere. And, you know, he said, look, I foregoed my uh, media duties. I didn't want to interview him, get a soundbite. I just stopped when they had a natural break in play in their game. Eddie and his sons and I just shouted thank you Eddie I think he got some kind of acknowledgement but yeah he's a man that's going to be sorely missed and you know last week's show was the end of an era this week's well it, it is more than that crazy crazy times staying tuned to us though this has been Back of the Net the AFC Bournemouth podcast my vision of football really has changed so as a player to win, you, you played to succeed individually and of course as part of a team, but then when I became a coach, suddenly I had to view it totally differently and as I've grown older as a coach, I've moulded my ideas and philosophies and to this point today, I, I, you know, I want to play attractive football, I want people to want to pay to come and watch my team. Podcast Network.